We're glad you're listening to Rhema for Today. John Wesley, see, he didn't know that God would meet him. He said, you see, because they'd come out of various backgrounds and they put great emphasis on the building. And you know, that same, that same idea is carried over into full gospel groups as though that's a holy place. We don't worship places. We worship the Lord. We don't worship buildings. Amen. Welcome to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. Today you'll hear more from Kenneth E. Hagan on his teaching, How to Increase Your Spiritual Effectiveness, on Rama for Today Radio. Also, later in today's program, I'll tell you about this month's special radio offer. Right now, let's join Kenneth E. Hagan for today's message. One lady was visiting over here in the United States from England. She was of the Church of England, Anglinton Church or Episcopal Church, about the same. And so uh, somebody uh, got her to attend a Pentecostal meeting. She'd never been in one. Now, they had Pentecostal churches in England, but she'd never been to one. And the friends she was visiting here, some of them went there, and they got her to attend. And she just got, this is a true story, absolutely. She just got all distraught. In fact, she got up and left one out in the foyer, and a friend down in Texas went to see her about her. Oh, she was distraught. Oh, those people are lifting their hands, praising God right out loud. Don't they know this is God's house? She thought they ought to come in, you know, tiptoe in because God's here. <laughs> Sit down, you know, act and look like you was at a funeral. They thought that was a reverence. They're making too much noise. Don't they know this is God's house? And that wasn't God's house in the sense she's thinking of it. Are you listening to me? You know there was a time, whether you realize it or not, but one knows this if they're a student of church history, that see through the years people put great emphasis, not only the Roman Catholics, which we know did, but also the Protestants. John Wesley said, think about it now. Think about it. Just, just a couple of hundred years ago, John Wesley said, see he was educated as a Church of England or Anglican pastor or priest. And John Wesley said, you see he and his brother Charles came over here to the United States as missionary to the Indians down in the state of Georgia in the early days of our nation and were a flat failure by his own admission. Spent one year and went back to England. And in Wesley's writings and journals, he said on the way back to England on the ship, there were some Moravians who taught them some of the deeper things of God. Now, in my opinion, John Wesley and his brother Charles just then got saved or born again. Well, Wesley then got back to England and he began to preach some of these things in the church. Now Wesley said, I did not know that God, see they didn't know God would meet you anywhere else. They thought that's God's house, that's where God meets you, because that's where God is. He said, I didn't know God would meet us anywhere else except in the church. And you see, he was preaching one time, and it didn't set well, you see, with his church. And they got up right in the middle of his sermon and threw him out. Well, he said, see, his father was a minister in the Anglican Church of England. And they buried the dead in those days in the churchyard. And see, all the congregation coming out of church. He said, I got up on my father's tombstone out there in the open air and finished my sermon. <laughs> now listen to what Wesley said. Wesley said, I didn't know God would meet you anywhere except in the church house. To my utter astonishment, God met us out there. The presence of God was there, you see. Probably more real than it was in that church because it <laughs> froze him out in there. Sometimes in some church building, it's sort of like the story they tell down there in Sherman, Texas. They said, old boy, he kept wanting to join the church. 
he wasn't exactly the most desirable character in the world, so they wouldn't take him in. And he'd tried again on one Sunday morning. They took members. He walked down the aisle, and they wouldn't accept him, so he just left. And he's standing outside the church, you see. Standing there weeping when suddenly Jesus appeared to him. Of course, he's just a sinner. Aren't they? they didn't try to tell him how to get saved. He thought by just joining the church, that'd make him a Christian. He's standing there crying, weeping, you know. Somebody come up and put their arm around him. He looked around, you know, and it's Jesus. Asked him what he weeping about. He said, well, I've been trying to join that church, and they won't let me. And he said, the Lord sat there, well, don't feel bad about it. I've been trying to get in there myself the last 20 <laughs> For the last 20 years, and they won't let me in. And you know there's more truth to that sometimes than poetry. Amen. And so, uh, John Wesley, see, he didn't know that God would meet him. He said, you see, because they'd come out of various backgrounds and they put great emphasis on the building. And you know, that same, that same idea is carried over into full gospel groups as though that's a holy place. We don't worship places. We worship the Lord. Amen. We don't worship buildings. Amen. I, I, I remember the last church I pastored down in East Texas, one of our larger, or the largest full gospel denomination. And I remember every first Monday we would have a sectional fellowship meeting. Now in this one section, as we called it, we had 80 churches and 120 preachers. And we'd have one big fellowship meeting every month. And then on other Mondays, we'd have what we call local fellowship meetings, you know, because you'd have to travel some miles to get there sometime, nearly 100 miles to get one of these big meetings. But up in our part of the country, four or five of our churches would have a little local fellowship, and others too, because everybody couldn't come to the big one. You would understand that. But I traveled, oh, I don't know, probably 50, 60 miles, maybe 70 miles to get to one of these uh, big fellowship meetings. Usually you had to hold them in some of the larger churches where they'd have an auditorium large enough to handle a crowd. But you see, on these fellowship meetings... We'd have morning and afternoon services, and then usually on that night service, right at that time, they'd have a youth rally, and the young people would have the night service. And we'd have dinner on the grounds, services all day and dinner on the grounds. Some folks wanted to have dinner all day and services on the grounds. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they'd, 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 the folks or whatever the local churches having the fellowship meeting would feed everybody, you know, just spread it out. And like I said before, if you've never had any East Texas fried chicken, Boy, if you ever get a chance to get any, you better get it because you don't know what you missed. And they'd have fried chicken galore and everything else good to eat. Just table after table of it, you see. We'd eat on the grounds. But while we were in this morning service and about the time service is over, it started raining and it just poured down rain. Well, you can't eat out in the rain. And the church auditorium was in. They had a little Sunday school annex, but it's cut up in little rooms. You couldn't feed people there. So the pastor of this church and some of them said, I'll do what let's do. Let's just take these church benches, pews, and turn them around, put two together, two together, and put rows up and down through it. So we ate in the church. And somebody came to me, said, that beats anything I've ever seen in my life. Don't they know this is the house of God? While they're eating in the church. My God, they said. They've all backslid. And they got mad. I tried to talk to them. But they got mad, just fighting mad. You know, of course, they were sanctified. <laughs> and went home. Went home. But after we all ate, I noticed that fried chicken tastes just as good in the church as it did out there on the ground. <laughs> and that iced tea was just as good in there as it was out there. And the pie was just as good. And after we had eaten and they cleaned all that up, put the pews back in place, then we had an afternoon service. And I, I could see it didn't make God a difference. The power of God came down on us. We had a tremendous, un, I mean greater than reading, any, any fellowship meeting was ever in that afternoon. 
power fell on us. Glory to God. Well, now you see, they were worshiping the building. Didn't realize that getting mad that way and pouting and not fellowshipping with others was, the, was really sin and that the other folks weren't sinning. That house is not the house of God because God lives there. Now then others have said, bless their hearts, putting great emphasis on holy places as though that's holy, you know. It would be all right to eat over there in a Sunday school annex or some fellowship hall, but it wouldn't be all right to eat over here in the sanctuary because God lives over there. Well, no, he doesn't. He don't live in either one of them. Are you listening to me? And to get into all kind of foolishness over those things. I was holding a meeting years later. I mean, way back in 1950. I was holding a meeting, Full Gospel Church in West Texas. Later on, I was down in East Texas for a special service. The pastor asked Brother Ian said, well, he just asked, you know, we bosom friend. He just said, Kenneth said, what kind of a church does a, he call this fellow's name? This fellow had come, this pastor of that church in West Texas from East Texas. Well, I said, what do you mean, what kind of church? Well, how many does he run in Sunday school? Well, I told him. What kind of crowd? I told him. What kind of meeting? I heard you was there. I heard you had a good meeting. Yeah, I said one of the, one of the up till then was one of the greatest meetings I ever had. Great move of the Spirit of God. People say filled with the Spirit, healed. Some of the greatest healings I've ever seen. I said, uh, you know, we uh, we just filled the building up with people. You see, and I said uh, the, the the pastor went down because small town wasn't in the place. You'd have to have gone sixty miles away to a big city to rent folding chairs. So he went down to one of the funeral homes and they loaned him a hundred folding chairs. Now, see, of course, the building, the, the sanctuary was full of pews. But he, I said, we moved the altars out and they just set chairs right down against the platform. And, and, and then they set chairs down the aisles because they had wide aisles and they could set one at the end of the pews, you know, every one of them. And we worked in these hundred chairs where we get another hundred people in. He said, I thought you said that there was about a hundred saved. I said, they were. There's a little over hundred, about 120 people got saved. He looked at me, he said, how, how did they get saved? I said, what do you mean? Well, he said, you move the altars out. Well, I said, I just had them to come. There was a little room down here at front. It's, you know, there's a, a three-foot aisle, at least, down here in the front. And I had them to come stand down there, and I had a word to pray with them. Then I sent them back to the Sunday school annex. And the workers went back there, and they knelt by benches and chairs in the Sunday school rooms, and they prayed with them. 120 got saved. He just kept on going, saying, I don't understand. Claim to have a revival. Move the altars out. I don't see how you ever got anybody saved without an altar. I said, I never heard of the altar saving anybody yet. I was holding a meeting years later. I mean, way back in 1950. I was holding a meeting full gospel church in West Texas. Later on, I was down in East Texas for a special service. The pastor asked said, Brother Ian said, well, he just asked, you know, we bosom friend. He just said, Kenneth said, what kind of a church does a, he call this fellow's name? This fellow had come, this pastor of that church in West Texas from East Texas. Well, I said, what do you mean, what kind of church? Well, how many does he run in Sunday school? Well, I told him. What kind of crowd? I told him. How, what kind of meeting? I heard you was there. I heard you had a good meeting. Yeah, I said, one of the, one of the, up till then, it was one of the greatest meetings I ever had. Great move of the Spirit of God. People say, filled with the Spirit, healed. Some of the greatest healings I've ever seen. I said, uh, you know, we, uh, we just filled the building up with people, you see. And I said, uh, the, the, the pastor went down because small town wasn't in a place there. You'd have to have gone 60 miles away to a big city to rent folding chairs. So he went down to one of the funeral homes and they loaned him a hundred folding chairs. Now, see, of course, the building, the, the sanctuary was full of pews. But he, I said, we moved the altars out and they just set chairs right down against the platform. And, and, and then they set chairs down the aisles because they had wide aisles and they could set one at the end of the pews, you know, every one of them. And we worked in these hundred chairs where we'd get another hundred people in. 
He said, I thought you said that there was about 100 saved. I said they were. There's a little over 100, about 120 people got saved. He looked at me. He said, how did they get saved? I said, what do you mean? Well, he said, you moved the altars out. Well, I said, I just had them to come. There was a little room down here at front. There's, you know, there's a, a three-foot aisle at least down here in the front. And I had them to come stand down there. And I had a word to pray with them. Then I sent them back to the Sunday school annex. And the workers went back there and they knelt by benches and chairs in the Sunday school rooms. And they prayed with them. 120 got saved. He just kept on going. I don't understand. Claim to have a revival. Move the altars out. I don't see how you ever got anybody saved without an altar. I said, I never heard of the altar saving anybody yet. <laughs> I thought Jesus was the Savior. I didn't know the altar was. Welcome to Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. Right now, let's join Kenneth and Lynette Hagan. Our offer this month, uh, your dad, you know, your dad was, uh, he had such a uh, unique way. And such insight, yes. Yes, an insight. And, and his teaching was so simple that anybody could understand it. Right. But this is four CDs by your dad, how you can be led by the, the Spirit, Spirit of God. God. Yes. And then your book, How to Make the Dream God Gave You Come True. Yeah, and those are all available for you for a gift of $22 or more. Just go to go there to rhema.org and order it That's right, right. Call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. Again, call toll-free 1-888-FAITH-99. You can also order online at rhema.org. That's R-H-E-M-A dot O-R-G. Rhema.org. Or if you prefer to write to Kenneth Hagen Ministries, our address is P.O. Box 50126, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 74150. We always love to hear from our listeners, so write in or email us today and become a part of Rama for Today. Tomorrow on Rama for Today, we'll continue Kenneth E. Hagen's life-changing teaching. That's next time on Rama for Today with Kenneth and Lynette Hagan.